open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host of Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Welcome back. We have with us Reeve Collins. He's CEO and co-founder of Tether. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Reeve. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, so tether.to is the site. Some big news recently. You guys integrated with Bitfinex, one of the largest Bitcoin exchanges. Can you give us just a little bit of background? Like, how'd you get into Bitcoin? And like, what's Tether? Why'd you start it? Well, Bitcoin's been of interest to me for quite some time, but what really accelerated that was uh, Brock Pierce, actually. Um, I've known him for a while, and his enthusiasm is somewhat contagious, and so I did more and more research, and the idea kind of evolved where Bitcoin really has the ability to connect the world, to get value instantly and for free, and the next natural step would be to enable dollars, to provide dollars the same portability as Bitcoin. So that's how we got to Tether. We've actually interviewed Brock on the podcast. Is he an investor in Tether or an advisor? Yes. Is he somehow involved? Yes. Brock okay. is one of the co-founders, advisors to Tether. Okay, cool. And what's the value proposition with Tether? Like, who are we dealing with? It's both retail and behind the scenes with the exchanges. Like, why should we care yeah. about it? Why should we use it? Well, the real value proposition for Tether is to enable cash to move like Bitcoin. So if you look at all the main exchanges right now, one of the challenges that a trader or other exchanges have when they're working together is instant settlement. So let's say you want to put money onto an exchange. It's one to three days and 20 to $40 because you have to wire that money. And then if you want to pull the money off the exchange, it's the same. You have to wire it back. And then if you want to put it to another exchange, it's a wire. So utilizing the traditional financial institutions is the only way to move fiat currency, dollars, euros, yen, etc. With Tether... It enables currency to move like Bitcoin. So now you hold your dollars as Tether and you can move them instantly to the exchange and then one exchange to another instead of having to have it wired back and forth. I guess we need to back up a little bit. Um, Tether is actually running on the Omni protocol, right? Correct. Let's go in a little bit about this Omni protocol. The made safe coins are actually issued on the Omni protocol. Can you give us a little bit like how's this work? How's it tied in with Bitcoin? Yeah. So Tether is an asset-backed token. You have the Bitcoin blockchain, and then there's these protocol layers on top of the blockchain. MasterCoin, which has now been rebranded to Omni, is the protocol that we're utilizing. So it enables tokens to work on the blockchain in the same manner as Bitcoin. So as a company, Tether really stands for the ability to issue and redeem those tokens. So you know if you hold a Tether USD, you can redeem that at any time for $1. So the Omni layer enables us to do that on a technical level. Oh, awesome. Now, the Omni wallet, which is a web-based wallet, they've actually done an integration with Armory. So you can create your transaction to move MadeSafe coins around and then take the transaction, sign it with your offline computer with Armory, and then come back and rebroadcast it. 
have you guys considered integrating something like that so that we could keep our tether uh, tokens that are issued on this Omni uh, protocol blockchain safe and secure in something like Armory? Yes, absolutely. Well, from the consumer's perspective, they'll be able to use a multitude of different wallets, the Omni wallet being one of them, and there's a handful more that are being rolled out. And we are getting the Omni layer integrated with many different wallet providers. So you have multi-signature capabilities and then offline cold storage capabilities. And then as well as Tether as an organization, where we hold the Tethers would be both on a hot wallet and a cold wallet, the majority being stored in a cold wallet, and both of them being multi-sig. Nice. So you're going to be dealing directly with retails. Uh, so individuals will be able to hold their own private keys to their tethers that are then representing these ownerships on dollars or probably other fiat currencies you'll be dealing with later. And then also the exchanges. Are there any regulatory issues uh, that we're dealing with here? Have you guys pursued any licenses, things of that nature? Yeah, so that's the real challenge behind this. The technology that the blockchain has enabled the world to do is very revolutionary and extraordinary, but it's much farther ahead than all the regulatory. Uh, and I think the laws are having a challenge catching up. So doing that appropriately is the most important thing because there's technologies that allow you to do asset-backed tokens. Our focus is currencies as the asset that is back in these tokens. So we're specializing in putting real-world currencies on the blockchain. Now, to do that, though, the biggest hurdle is banking and regulatory. So we've developed a lot of banking relationships, and we're going down the road of being compliant with all of the various jurisdictions. Initially, we're operating out of Hong Kong with a money transmitter license that enables us to operate in the rest of the world, and we're going down the road of securing our U.S.-based license as well, and that should be done the next three-plus months. Okay. So one of our other uh, guests that we've interviewed is Housey Miner. He's CEO of BitReserve. Is Tether going to be operating kind of like that in the sense that you're going to have all of these different types of assets that are going to be uh, tethered, that you're going to be custodianship uh, over? Well, so the main difference I'd say between Tether and BitReserve is BitReserve focuses on ending Bitcoin volatility. You send Bitcoin in, you hold it as a, a bit dollar, and then you have to convert it back to Bitcoin in order to pull it out. Tether is you send dollars in and it becomes a Tether USD, and that Tether token works on the blockchain. And then eventually you can format that back or convert that back to a dollar. You can also send Bitcoin in and acquire Tether with Bitcoin, but our goal is to skip those multiple exchange steps and just have it dollars to Tether and then back to dollars. So a Tether token actually lives and operates on the blockchain. So it's compatible with all of the different companies that will be built on the blockchain. Yeah, and you're able to really take advantage of the whole concept of programmable trust once you've digitized the dollar, you could say, right, into the Omni protocol. Yeah, the whole purpose is... Once you hold a tether, once it gets enough utility, there's no need from going in and out because if you can spend it in many different places, then there's no need to format it back to cash. The best example is you have your bank account and it's tied to PayPal, for instance. It actually, your dollars go to PayPal and turn into PayPal tokens. They work on the PayPal platform, but they don't work anywhere else. And then when you want, you have to pull them back into your bank account. Well, now you have your bank account will be tied to your Tether wallet. And once they're turned into Tether, it will work on the entire Bitcoin blockchain ecosystem, which we all believe is going to be rapidly growing and more and more services will be built on top of that ecosystem. So you'll get a lot of utility for Tether. But once you're done utilizing Tether in the ecosystem, you can simply put it back into your bank account, format it like dollars. The beauty is, you know, your PayPal token or your money in your PayPal wallet is always a dollar. It's the same with Tether. It's always a dollar. 
unlike today, to utilize the companies in the blockchain ecosystem, you have to use Bitcoin. And it's volatile. And that's kind of restricting mass adoption and quick adoption. So our goal at Tether is to be a foundational layer and a utility in this blockchain ecosystem where all the new companies that are being built on top of the blockchain will simply plug into Tether as well as Bitcoin. Because now they're built on the blockchain, they can offer their goods and services to their customers via Tether or Bitcoin. Now, kind of zooming down into one of these transactions, when we create a transaction using the MasterCoin protocol, we're actually using Bitcoins to do that, right? Like inputs and outputs. But they're usually very, very small amounts. So we might see on the blockchain a transaction for half a penny's worth of Bitcoins, but that could actually represent $100,000 worth of tethers moving around, right? Right. And as a Tether user or anytime you utilize Tether, you won't see the Bitcoin transaction. It will happen in the background. So it'll be very transparent to the user. But yes, on the blockchain, you'll see the small blockchain fee as well. So as Tether gets more widely adopted, we'll have dollars circulating around as a form of cryptocurrency that will be increasing the demand for Bitcoins. Yes, absolutely. And we also feel that Tether will accelerate the adoption of blockchain technology. Absolutely. Because it will make it easier for more companies to provide goods and services on top of the blockchain. And secondly, we feel that it's a nice onboarding step to Bitcoin because all of us in the industry, and we're hoping it gains more widespread adoption, but everyone believes that Bitcoin is inherently better currency than fiat currency, just based on the nature of what Bitcoin is. However, it's a large step for a lot of people to take. So now they can utilize blockchain technology and get involved in this world of cryptocurrency by using currency they're familiar with, such as dollars, euros, yen. And then once they're really familiar with that and used to it, it's a much smaller step to Bitcoin, to actually acquiring Bitcoin, the currency. And on the larger size players, like say a Bitfinex, I don't know, maybe there's another exchange that's going to be integrating Tether. If they wanted to settle Tethers between each other for Bitcoin or something like that, they could actually do that atomically in a Bitcoin transaction, right? Yeah, so that's one of the best and initial use cases for Tether. It's really the portability of money because as we alluded to earlier, if you want to move cash on an exchange and then off of an exchange, you have to send a wire to get money to the exchange. That's one to three days and 20 to $40. And then if you want to pull it off, it's the same. And then if you want to send it to another exchange, it's the same. So it takes a long time and costs some money. But if you hold your cash as Tether, it moves like Bitcoin. So it will instantly go to the exchanges. And so you can pull it on and off and you can move from one exchange to the other. So it makes it much easier for consumers or individuals who want to use exchanges to move their cash on, off, or move it from one exchange to the other. And what's more important in that specific ecosystem is the large exchanges, they have order books, they, they buy on each other. But today, to move the cash, large dollar amounts, it still takes some time. So they all end up extending credits, etc. This allows them for instant settlements uh, between the exchanges. And we're doing it atomically in the blockchain. So there's no counterparty risk, uh, no Hertzstadt risk either. Uh, because, I mean, we could be talking about uh, OKCoin and Bitfinex. And there are two different time zone jurisdictions. And that could introduce Hertzstadt risk. Um, so, you know... Personally, I like to figure out where any risk is in the system and completely eliminate it. So when I'm looking at Tether, where are these dollars at? Are they in a bank account? Are they in a vault, physical? 
like where, where, where are these dollars at? What's the risk profile uh, yeah. of these dollars? Currently, they are in bank accounts. So the, the tethers would be held in our um, various banking partners. And are those banks like, are they U.S. banks? Are they Swiss banks? Yeah, so they, we're building. Like, a, where are they at? Absolutely. Singaporean banks? So today we're building a federation of banks. So the first banks that we're starting off with is Taiwan. It's Cathay Bank. It's out of Taiwan because um, we are a Hong Kong company initially as we roll out more licensing in other jurisdictions. But Taiwan is a very sophisticated banking system and, and, and a very robust system out there. So... That is where the funds will be hold, will be held, and then we're opening accounts in Isle of Man, and then very soon in the U.S. as well. Nice, yeah. And, and I've actually talked with Brian Donigan quite a bit, and he was on the podcast from mm-hmm. Isle of Man government uh, and yeah. this proceeds of Crime Act that they're going to be passing pretty soon. Like all this is going to really help pave the way for the banks to get involved in a much deeper. Uh, way. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're on the cutting edge here. And so the regulations are catching up and the banks are catching up. So we're going with the banks that are open to it. And then at the same time, also very secure and have a robust history. And so we've tried to reduce the counterparty risk as much as possible. But ultimately, you have to trust large national banks uh, at some level. Um, well, if you want, you want my uh, input on a wish list, let's just cut the banks out if we can and vault physical cash. Because like we don't necessarily know what the balance sheets are on these banks. We don't know what type of hypothecation or rehypothecation they've done on the bank accounts or the the treasuries that they may have. If we could just completely eliminate all of that by taking physical possession of the cash and then vaulting it with someone like Viamat or G4S or Renus or Brinks or whoever, then we would know the dollars on Tether are actually in a vault and not encumbered in any way. Yeah. Because uh, we don't necessarily know what assets are encumbered right now or to what degree they're encumbered. Even with some of the most trusted custodians like State Street or Bank of New York Mellon. Yeah. So you, you bring up two great points. One is how do you reduce the risk in the banks? So our step one is for us to have, we like to say just our federation of banks, a handful of partner banks that will distribute our cash. So all of the tether reserves won't be held in one specific bank. We'll have a handful. So that diversifies that risk of a bank default. Um, and I'd be very open to discussing with you more about actually vaulting some portion of the cash because you do have a good point. That's further diversifying that risk and, and putting physical assets in. And just eliminating somewhere. it. Yeah. You know, let's just eliminate the risk. It, because like, with gold money, another company I'm invested in, uh, we have $1.4 billion of physical gold and silver, platinum, palladium, bullion that we vault all over the world, London, Zurich, Singapore, et cetera, of Hong Kong. And we charge 12 basis points to vault gold, for example. And it's insured by Lloyd's of London. Switzerland now, has, they charge 75 basis points to keep Swiss francs in a bank account. Yeah. So like you're paying 75 basis points and you're taking on all the counterparty risk of the bank. Like it would make more sense to just vault the Swiss francs instead of actually have them in the bank account because one, it's going to be cheaper, less basis points. And two, there's you're going to completely eliminate all the counterparty risk uh, out of that particular asset profile. So, you know, I think there might be significant market opportunity for Tether to kind of explore down this particular path. Yeah, that's definitely something we'll take under consideration. The second thing you mentioned earlier was how banks are not transparent. You don't see their balance sheet. And for Tether, our main goal is to create the 
as least trust required in order to have still some level of centralization. Because Tether is a centralized organization, and you do need to trust us at some level. Well, and just the nature of the dollar. Yeah. I mean, we have to, like, if we're going to be dealing with dollars or gold, like, we're going to have to be dealing with some type of centralization there, just because of the nature of that yeah. particular instrument. Absolutely. And that's why I feel our industry, our entire industry of Bitcoin, uh, is leading the charge in transparency, because we feel that trustless is always better. And so a lot of the companies now, one of the main um, value propositions is transparency. And so for us to have a completely transparent balance sheet is imperative to gain that trust. So you'll at all times be able to see the amount of money in our reserves in the different bank accounts. And it will always be one to one to the amount of tether in circulation. So if there's a thousand tethers in circulation, there'll be a thousand dollars in the bank account. And that bank account balance will be published on the website and it will be audited. So you can see that at any time. And then it's always easy to utilize the blockchain to audit the number of Tether in circulation. Yeah, and that that's actually what uh, James Turk, the founder of Gold Money, he'd gotten patents in uh, 1993 for coming up with the way to do this with gold. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, a form of digital gold and stuff like that. He actually got like five patents in that area. Yeah. So, you know, it's very exciting to see uh, some of these applications, uh, James Turk, he kind of talks about, you know, when we developed the first car, it was a horseless carriage. It took several iterations before we had the Ferrari, for example. Yeah. And I think it's going to be the same way as we're reinventing and recreating and innovating money in the information age. And Tether's, you know, right there kind of at the forefront in all of this. Before we kind of end the podcast, like, what are you most optimistic about in this industry? Like, what kind of really excites you? The entire industry is exciting and just the revolution of what the blockchain will bring to the world because the connectivity that it gives all the people that haven't had it before is pretty exciting. The fact that we really can now serve the underbanked and the unbanked and as well as the people with robust financial um, institutions that entire infrastructure is being disrupted. And so that's what's exciting about this, that we can see some real change in some industries that people would have never thought could see this type of innovation. Wonderful. Uh, been an excellent interview. Thanks for taking the time out. We've had Reeve Collins, CEO and co-founder of Tether, uh, that you can find at tether.to. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you. Get a copy of the free Bitcoin guide at freebitcoinguide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. <laughs>